This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code REALSIMPLE, that's one word, at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. This episode is also sponsored by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper mattresses come with free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. And right now, get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com adulthood. That's casper.com adulthood, promo code adulthood. Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel, clueless just like you, and slowly figuring out how the adult world works week by week. And as many of you know, we're still doing our Guide for Grads dedicated to the class of 2015 and helping them navigate the first few months after graduation. I think one of the hardest things about the real world is figuring out what's normal because everything is so new. Like, Anything from, is it normal that all my new appliances are making that weird noise, to wondering if your health, things related to your health are normal. And when it comes to your job, you're probably inclined to just accept everything at face value, whether you think it's normal or not, especially when it comes to your boss. Like, what happens if your boss yells at you every day about little tiny mistakes? Is that normal? Or what if your boss asks you to go to the office supply store and buy her 100 packets of yellow, specifically yellow, post-it notes? Is that normal? How do you tell if you have a tough boss or a nightmare boss? When I asked, so many people wrote in with crazy stories. I was shocked. There were stories of having to complete really personal tasks, like babysitting their boss's kids, or being humiliated in front of coworkers. Here's one of my personal favorites. I had to go to the office on a Saturday at 12.30 a.m. to blow out a candle or make sure it had already been blown out. This was after I'd already worked 12 hours that Saturday and had been running around in the snow turned rain. I was the quote-unquote only one who could go because my boss was at home in the middle of a date. And this was on my first week. And I had to go back and work for 10 hours the next day, Sunday. So maybe you haven't had to run to your boss's office to blow out a candle, but when it's your first job, you need to know when to just suck it up and when to go to HR. And who better to talk about that than someone from HR? So I've asked Bucky Keaty to join us again. She's the VP of Talent Management at Time, Inc., an expert in all things HR and my go-to whenever I need advice about really anything. Hi, Bucky. Sam, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. This is so fun. I love doing these. And you saw these stories ahead of time, and you can attest that these are just nuts stories. So these are the situations, probably extreme. I hope that not a lot of people, you know, have to blow out candles, have to babysit children. Someone told me today that she had to defrost her boss's freezer with, like, a hairdryer and, a like, a plastic knife. Like, things like that, I'm hoping don't come up. But I'm curious, like... What are the signs that you maybe have, like, a crazy, terrible boss and you need to take action versus just maybe you guys aren't the right fit and, you know, better luck with your next job? Part of the problem is in many cases when you graduate from school, perhaps you have an internship or under your belt or two internships or you've had a couple of summer jobs. Usually, though, they're so short-term, at the most maybe they're three months, that you're, you're willing to let so many personality things slide or communication styles slide because you're like, I'm going to go back to school in September. This really, I don't have to worry about this quite so much. 
But once you start your first job right out of school, all of a sudden it's funny how those types of things become a little more intense because you're thinking, this is my career, this is my first job. So my first word of advice is dial it back and relax a little bit. (laughs) You're still figuring it out and give yourself a break and don't, don't judge your boss just as much as you would hope your boss wasn't judging you too soon after you start working for this person. Things reach you probably a little bit more where you just need to relax a little bit and go with the flow and not read into every look, every comment. But then sometimes there are nightmare bosses. So we can talk a little bit more about that as well, too. Sometimes you have to go to HR. And I definitely want to talk about that and read some of these crazy stories. I think I've teased them out enough. But first, we'll have a word from our sponsor. Our sponsor this week is Squarespace. And Squarespace is the easiest, and I'm all about things being as easy as possible, way to build your own personal website. A friend of mine just built one and I was looking at it and it's gorgeous and you wouldn't know that it's one of these sites that builds it for you like you would think she was a professional coder or something like that because these sites look so professionally designed and you really don't need to even bother with any HTML. The tools are really easy to use and it's trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. You can start your free trial site today, no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code REALSIMPLE, that's one word, REALSIMPLE, to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Okay, we're back with Bucky, and I'm going to go through a couple nightmare boss personalities, and these are just based on stories I've received, and I kind of tried to divide them out and see if we can talk about you know, whether you would approach your boss about this, approach an office mentor about this, or head straight to HR. So the first one is a boss that really won't leave work at work. And I was getting stories about people who were getting assignments at 3 a.m. And one was, I had a supervisor who sent the most horrifically aggressive emails to our team at all hours of the night. We'd get emails expressing her severe disappointment in us at 3 a.m. and ones warning us how easy it would be to fire us at midnight. She'd never bring up any form of feedback, positive or negative, face-to-face, just via email when we were out of the office. And we'd be expected to respond within the hour or there'd be another email firestorm. So what do you think about that? Well, this isn't the first time that I've heard about bosses in the middle of the night who send emails on a regular basis. I have given suggestions, so people have come to me and talked to me about that, and Mm -hmm. the guidance that I have given is when you have a moment where you can say to your boss, not in the moment, obviously it's three in the morning, but another time you can go into your boss and say, I really want to understand when you shoot these emails out in the middle of the night, are you expecting us to respond right away because I want to be my rested fit self Mm-hmm. When I come to work the next morning, ready to help you with any problems or any assignments that you give me, but if I'm on call during the middle of the night, it's making me concerned whether or not I'm meeting expectations. Can we talk a little bit about this? Right. Now, when do you weave HR in? It really depends on what kind of company you're working for. If you're in a mom-and-pop kind of startup situation, not mom and pop, but in a startup type of situation, they may not even have an infrastructure where there's an HR department. And often in startups, 
people who are launching businesses are so manic at getting the business up and running and really have fantastic creative juices going that they perhaps are sending emails in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. So there isn't anyone to go to. And then you have to say, okay, is this the type of culture that I feel like I can really excel in? And you have to make that decision and you have to own whether or not that's the right type of company for you. Okay, we have our next nightmare boss. These are all so horrible. <laughs> I just feel you so know, bad for everyone. There two movies made off of horrible bosses or something yeah, like that. Exactly. These are like you like you see this stuff in movies and then people wrote these into me and I was just like, How did you stay at this job? I mean, some of them were my close friends and I remember them complaining to me about their boss and I was like, Oh, I'm yeah, that sounds tough and then they wrote me these like essays and I was just like that. That's just, that's honestly (laughs) just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So our next one is, and I think that this one is extremely applicable when it comes to now everyone's kind of transitioning to these open office formats. Yeah. The boss that's like yelling at you and critiquing you and kind of humiliating you and other, in front of other employees. And I have a couple examples of this. One says exactly that, that her boss made a habit of loudly and embarrassingly critiquing your mistakes in front of everyone. And another one said, this one is such, this one's crazy. She kept a portfolio of all of her work that was covered in print, but it was really just a container store box of magazines and newspapers that were filling up quickly. A few of us suggested turning them into an actual portfolio with clips, and you take the cover of the magazine and pages the work is on and put them into page protectors and binders so everything is consolidated. She said okay, approved us buying the supplies, but when she realized that we threw out the parts of the magazines and newspapers she wasn't in, she got so upset and yelled at all of us, even though we told her the plan, so we had to spend weeks reordering and paying for back issues of every single thing we had thrown out. (laughs) No joke is what she says. So in those situations where you do something incorrect and your boss screams and yells at you in front of everyone or even screams and yells at a group of you, like, is that is that just how some bosses deal with things? Like, I don't know. I don't I don't know what I would do if anyone yelled at me. Yeah, it is how some people deal with things. It doesn't make it right. But taking the boss, asking for an appointment with the boss, going into the boss's office and saying, I was very uncomfortable with you yelling at me in front of everybody. I really welcome feedback, but I'd welcome it behind closed doors. I I want to improve in my job, but I'm not comfortable with public humiliation. Can we please talk about this a little bit further? The hardest part about it is that it's it's not something you can necessarily tell when you interview. It's like all of a sudden you get there and someone's screaming at you. Usually, I mean, obviously, a boss, when they're interviewing, they have charming self on, mm-hmm. and you don't find out about it. Now, you're bringing up a really good point, Sam, which is, don't forget, interviewing is a two-way street. We had talked about this at one point, which is, it's for the the potential boss to interview the candidate, but for the candidate to get a sense of the chemistry between the two of you and the personality of the boss, you should be asking the boss questions too, and you should feel comfortable having a mini conversation about something completely different than the job just to see how you two connect. I mean, that's some of the pre-work, number one. Number two pre-work is try to get some intelligence. Go on Glassdoor. See if anything has ever been written about this person. Do you know anybody who ever worked at that company? Can you get the inside skinny from somebody else who might indirectly know about this boss? A lot of the um, examples that you're giving me, 
I bet you there are other people out there who would have been very happy to share (laughs) their experiences. Who would have been like, run. (laughs) Yes, yes. And that's really, it's so funny because there have been many times where people have said to me, I did hear, but I thought I could be the one person who could change that boss. Well, usually not. Yeah, no. And I wouldn't want to take the risk. Okay, we'll be right back to go over even more Nightmare Bosses because I have a couple more I want to tell you about. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. If you're moving into your first apartment, you know that everything costs about a million dollars and it all adds up really quickly. And mattresses can cost over $1,500, but Casper mattresses actually only cost $500 for a twin-size mattress, $750 for a full-sized, and so on. And you have a risk-free trial and return policy when you purchase one online, which is always important to me because if you sleep on it and don't like it, you can just get a different one. You try sleeping on a Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. And all the mattresses are made in America. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com adulthood and using adulthood as the promo code. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back with Bucky with, yes, more nightmare stories. My next category, I wasn't quite sure how to term it, but kind of a boss who doesn't really set a good example, like they're always late to meetings or flaking on meetings or, you know, assigning. I got a couple stories of assigning projects and then taking all the credit for it. And I think this one's tough because some of it just feels like that doesn't really make a nightmare. That just means, you know, the boss can be late to the boss's meeting. But I'm curious what you would say about that, because people were saying You know, it really disturbed the workflow and it kind of made them feel bad when they worked hard on this project and then got, you know, none of the credit or or, you know, it seems like even the boss wasn't like, thank you. Honestly, when I hear about the second part of the the question, which is getting the credit, Mm -hmm. one of the things I talk about frequently when I'm talking to junior level employees is just keep working. You are there to make your boss look good. Yeah. It becomes very obvious in a very short period of time who's really doing the work without the boss having to give anybody credit or you having to say, oh, you know, that was my project. My advice around that is if you're not getting the credit, don't worry about it. Now, the boss who's late or the boss who's disorganized, again, your job is to make your boss look good. So you may want to go into your boss and say, I've noticed scheduling seems to be a challenge. Is there a system that we can set up, or are you fine with my coming up with a system that might really help you with your schedule and me so I can assist you the best way possible? And are you open to my making suggestions around that and say it in a really positive, like, I can help you way? Mm-hmm. That's a good, that's a really good way to spin it. The next one is a boss who is talking about people or talking about you behind you're back. So we had a couple of stories about this. One said, my boss was the director and oh, she was actually the intern for the department. The editorial assistant was the one who managed my day-to-day projects. And while I can't remember the exact project, they did ask me to pull together some kind of information and I ended up doing it wrong. It was conveyed to me incorrectly, so I didn't do it right. The director was really angry, so she called me into her office, and it was pretty unusual for me to talk to her face-to-face, so I was nervous. She said something like, as you know, this project was done wrong, and I'm not blaming you. I just want you to tell me. 
It was Aaron's fault, right? She's so stupid. She was bashing her assistant and trying to get me to put the blame on her, and I felt awkward because while she did give me the wrong instructions, I didn't want to throw her under the bus. And that was just one example. But, I mean, that came up more than I would have thought, that, like, bosses are, I don't know, probably saying mean things about you, like high school levels kind of stuff. I don't know. That seemed odd to me. It is. It is odd. It's really unprofessional. It's very immature. And I'm always sorry when I hear stuff like that because I think bosses should, if they can't be encouraging, then keep your mouth shut. But right. certainly don't talk about other people behind their backs or to other employees. It's just really, really unprofessional. Again, that goes into the category of file it away. Learn from bad bosses that when you're the boss, you're not going to do something like that. It's very unprofessional. And it, it to me, diminishes the boss. Yeah. The next one, which came up a lot, is a boss that asks you to do a lot of personal work, but you're not necessarily a personal assistant. So we had someone who the boss's babysitter canceled in the middle of the day, so she was sent to watch the children for the afternoon. We had someone who filled out a tax return. We had someone who had to go to her boss's apartment and take pictures of all of her shoes and clothes and catalog it into a binder so it could be sent off to secondhand stores around the country for her to sell. So, I mean, there was there were plenty of things like that, like bringing her clothes back from the dry cleaners all the way to her apartment and all kinds of stuff. What do you how do you feel about doing a boss's personal work on office time? I don't feel good about it because a company is paying an employee to do a job for the company, not personal work for the boss. The personal work for the boss should be done by the, the boss's housekeeper or errand runner or somebody else, but it should not be their assistant. Mm-hmm. I can give you an example where we had an employee once at a company that I worked at, and she was sent in a town car, but in a car all day long at Christmas time to find a particular toy for this person's niece or nephew. And the employee, the assistant, was so frustrated and finally, late, late in the day, found this particular toy. That was just the cherry on top of the Sunday because this assistant had been asked to do just one personal chore after another for several months and I think hit a wall. So she did come to HR and we had we gave her I gave her suggestions about how to talk to this person, saying, "I was hired to do this particular job. I'm really uncomfortable doing all this personal work." And the person just laid her out in lavender, saying, "This is part of the job." She came back to HR, and then we did get involved. Then we did say something, Jane. This was not. You know, this isn't acceptable. This poor employee came to us so nervous and upset. She's really not learning in her job. And, a, and actually, the boss was pretty mature and handled it very well and apologized to the assistant and really actually grew as a boss from, I mean, this is a good news story. Yeah, that sounds like a best case scenario. But I, I mean, I would be nervous to go to HR, not just to come off like a tattletale, but if HR did get involved, that then my boss would kind of hold a grudge. Like, I would be nervous to see my boss the next day if well, I knew that. Well, that's how desperate this person was. Right. Because I would agree with you. I would be nervous about it, too. That's human nature, and you have to think pretty long and hard. So if you've hit that wall, then I would suggest you do it. But you've probably resigned yourself to the fact that take this job and shove it because yeah. <laughs> this is not a good working environment. 
This is such a grown-up conversation because, like, so much of the solution is, like, you have to deal with it yourself. Like, you have to think about it yourself and decide if you want to quit the job, and no one can solve your own problems for you. <laughs> it's such a grown-up conversation. So it's too grown-up for me. talking to friends about it or talking to your parents about it or an older friend about it helps you understand because everybody's got a story, and then you feel, oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was, and this is you know, I'm right out of school, this is suck-up time, and I have to to just, like, learn to go with the flow a little bit here. And that's part of it, too. I just want someone to solve all my problems, but... Yeah, sorry. Probably, it's probably not going to happen. No. Okay, well, here's... Okay, so the last category was basically treats you like garbage. And that was inspired by this story I got, which said... We were working out of a hotel with a client, and my boss felt that the room would be too crowded if I was in there. <laughs> I'm laughing because the story is ridiculous. So instead of letting me go somewhere, I sat in the hot <laughs> in the hot bathroom of the hotel room for three hours. <laughs> then <laughs> it's awful. Then I had to clean up the room while she got dinner, although I hadn't eaten, and move furniture so she could get a massage later in that room. Then she called me after I left to yell about how the room wasn't clean enough and that I was disrespectful for leaving it that way. I would have been so hysterical crying. I probably would still be crying. Like, I think I would cry for a year straight <laughs> if someone stuck me in a bathroom because they thought it'd be too crowded. Oh, I my mean, goodness. There's nothing about that story <laughs> that is at all salvageable. That is just an awful, awful story. Like, that's just the story you tell to be like, anytime you want to complain about your boss, uh -huh. it could be worse because she could shove you in a bathroom right. without right. No, dinner. That's a story that you write a book about. Yeah, that like has inspired <laughs> fairy tales about like the evil witch sticks you in the in the small room without dinner. Yeah, I mean, that's that is definitely a story where you better start looking for another job because that's just awful. I stumped you. That's that's the one that has no. There's just no answer there's except no get out of there. That. Sticking somebody in the bathroom <laughs> for three hours and then setting up the room for a massage. That's just every part of that story. And then is getting wrong. yelled at. I know. There's nothing good about <laughs> there's that. There's nothing good about that story. So I think we should end on a positive note. And I'd love to know from you, like what kind of resource HR can be other than sometimes you have to tattle things that people can come to you for. I know I've come to you for some guidance and you've given me some great feedback about ways to get involved in the company. So what do you think are the best ways to use HR? Sometimes it's really not about tattling as much as you just need somebody to listen to you because as you, as you and I both know, and this is what all these podcasts are about, you're figuring it out, and you're on your own. You're solo and single in the city or wherever you might be located, and this is your first job out of school. And it's nice to know that you can go to an HR professional and just say, I need to talk to somebody, and I need to just get your advice on how to best handle it. Without them doing anything, without taking an action, just talk it through a little bit and if you're working with a good HR person, they're going to give you some advice and they're going to also open your eyes to what your participation is in this whole equation, all of that. So, you know, use them as a resource. Also, too, I should make a pitch for this because larger corporations also offer employee assistance programs where you can anonymously call people and just get advice from kind of a counseling center and 
many companies offer one or two sessions totally free. So it's, it's sometimes it's nice to use them as a sounding board as you're figuring all of this out. That's great advice. And you are a great sounding board. I'm very lucky that you're at Time, Inc. Well, I love talking with you, Sam. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of your help today and all of your advice on these nightmare boss situations. Well, these are good. I have to tell you, you've given some good, juicy stories. Thank you so much for joining me today for Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover next time, just tweet them to me at Samzabel, and I'll add them to my list. Our producer is Tim Einenkel, and if you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to buy a copy of the book that has all the answers, The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll have more answers next time. 